Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Staten, and Manhattan. You are listening to BashaniRadio.com. New York City, always talking about everything. Everything. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. On demand, powerful talk radio. We global, and you can do nothing about it. BashaniRadio.com. Always talking about everything. Keep it locked. He ain't trying to hear no Said he's feeling for another taste Said he's on his way to my place Pull up to the crib My heart skips a beat Right in front of my house Dude is sitting in his jeans As much as I want to be mad about it I'm really feeling now How he's haunting me
Muffin. You are listening to It's Bigger Than Hip Hop Radio. And it's presented like a jewel. Enriching, encouraging, and engaging our youth. Here iHeart Radio. With influential guests such as Susan Taylor. Uh, we're a community in crisis, and we have to step up. We have to stand up, we have to speak up, we have to work together. Just Siri X. And then because we have Facebook and Twitter and we're able to share this information, the information is getting out there more. Dr. Julia Hayes. Because we live in a racist society and you can get arrested, black boys, for walking while black, thinking while black, driving while black, and anything you're doing while black. Dick Gregory. I can go and tell you why this program you have is so beautiful. That one, truth don't never have to be validated by ignorance. But ignorance will never validate truth. This is It's Bigger Than Hip Hop Radio. Tune in every Friday from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern on WWEAM 1100 on iHeartRadio. We hear now. 1100Atlanta.com. And so again, I said, you know, what you're doing. It's very important. And a lot of times when you do shows like this, you must have people listen, get a tape recorder, or make the tape available. Hit us up on the hotline at 404-603-8770. And now, Jeff Hodges. What's good, everybody? How's everybody doing? Welcome to another edition of It's Bigger Than Hip Hop. You know where we have those higher, infinite power, healing our people type conversations. And I'm your host, Jeff Hodges. It's me, Kia Baby Doll Jeffries in the building. And tonight we got a real special banger for you. You know that. You know that. In the building with us, a very special guest, New York Times bestselling author and a critically acclaimed documentary filmmaker, Tariq Nasheed. What's going on, family? How y'all doing? All right. All right. Yay! Definitely yes. a pleasure and an honor to have you. It's my pleasure to be here, man. No fam. doubt, no doubt. We are definitely fans of you over here at the show. Yes. We're definitely loving what you're doing, how you empower the people. Yes, and, indeed. And uh, we're about to learn a little something about you blowing over there, singing. Yeah. Doing yeah. Thing. So talk I'm, about I'm that. I'm trying to get my Peebo Bryson pop. I, I see I that. See that. <laughs> That's another one. That's who you are, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, He's going through the so, list. Yeah. So we got to talk about yeah. this music. Okay, yes, so. Ma'am. Yes. You know, I'm a musician as well. Yes, indeed. Yes, and indeed. I was watching the videos. I was listening to the music. Very no, nice. Thank you like, so much. No, no doubt. You know, of course, it's shocking to some yeah. of us yeah. that you do music. Yeah. You know, and um, like... I'm calling you kind of like a, a Alexander O'Neill orange juice Jones. I can take that. Kinda, and now that you said people Bryson, <laughs> right. I'll, yeah. I'll put yeah. that. My mom would probably yeah. say no, people. No, no. Very feel good, very mm-hmm. kind of sexy, grown. I mean, ladies, gentlemen, Check he's got some, Mink Slide. some stuff. Yeah. He's got some nice grooves. Yeah, What's up? the group is called Mink Slide, Mink Slide, and we did an album that was paying homage to the 80s and 90s sound. Okay. I wanted to do something that actually sounded like a record that was made in the 80s because those records, those songs are timeless. You can put those on now. And they'll still bump, especially the songs from the early 80s. Evelyn Champagne King, you put on Alexander O'Neill, that stuff will pop off. Even the songs from the 90s, those songs still pop off. 
that we were just talking about the Akinelli song that you sung mm-hmm. on. Put that on now and watch a party go off. Right, right. So there was a time where certain music just stayed in a vacuum and it could just lock in and it will resonate throughout generations. And we wanted to create it, create that with the Ming Slide album, and I think that's what we did. Now, Egyptian muscles are fishy tissue, man. Yeah. Definitely was checking you out. Now we want to know something, man. What's up? <laughs> what's up with your man doing electric slide? What's, what's, what's going what's on? Your Tell dancer. us about your party. Talk about the dude. Yeah, that's my, my that's I call that's my Mackish praise dancer. You Johnny. guys gotta you guys gotta go to YouTube and check, and check out. out Tariq's video. Oh, go to the show tomorrow dude. night. Yes, we're doing a yeah. concert tomorrow night yeah. here in Atlanta, Atlanta at Center Stage Theater. So you can check the video out at minkslide.com. Is dude in the, out here with you? Yeah, he's here. He's the whole he's, he's here. He's here. Yes, yes. What's up with him? That's my. My Mackish praise dancer. He interpretates my words. Did so he. Say <laughs> that's my Mackish praise dancer. When dancer. I spit some Mackishness, he will interpretate interpolate the words through dance. So, what? you know, so our vibe is very unique. And I think it works. It's a very unique no look and vibe that we have. No doubt. Because <laughs> with my partner Johnny, it look we we wanted to go for the Miami Vice look. If you look at our yeah, if you look at our single yeah, we, we we again going into that '80s theme. And the '80s themes you had those buddy cop movies and those right. buddy crime right. movies like right. um, Trading Places and and um, Lethal Weapon. So we wanted to have that kind of vibe and that kind yeah. of energy. So how long you been doing this singing thing, man? You know, I was um, I used to produce a lot of rap records. I used to do a lot of underground rap records, and um, then I started writing books. Mm-hmm. But, you know, doing the production, that was a hobby. I turned that into a hobby, something that I, I did just because I like doing it. Right. And while I was doing my documentary films, I would just do my musical tracks on the side to create backing tracks for my radio show, mm-hmm. because I do my podcast, um, Tariq Radio. And I would accumulate all these instrumentals, and I said, "Let me put some lyrics over these and just see how it do." And we we did it, and we got like ten songs. And I said, "Let me put this out and see how it does." And we put it out, and it our album Egyptian Must debuted at number twelve on the Billboard yeah, charts. Congratulations yeah, yeah, on that. yeah. No no a lot of people were surprised. I was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you produced those songs? Yes, yeah, I wrote them and produced them. You absolutely. You play keyboards. You. I play a little keyboards. You know, okay. I bring people in. I tell them what melody to play. Okay. You know, I bring in the guitar players. Tell them what to play. Bring in the drummers, tell them what to play. So I try to Quincy Jones the game a little bit. I'm mad at you. That's yeah. the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. 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 Did his thing over there. So did you like write um, any of your music between the two albums? Did you um, bring in any collabs, or were there in, are there any people that you would like to collab with? On um, the Egyptian Musk album, there's a group here from Atlanta. I flew them out to LA called the APX, and they do the same type of '80s style '90s okay. funk. They're okay. very very thorough. They're going to be opening for us tomorrow at. Center Stage Theater. Um, There's a lot of people that I want to collaborate with on our next album. On our first album, I didn't want to do too many collaborations, but on the next one, I want to go back and get some of those old school artists. You mentioned Alexander O'Neill. I would like to get Alexander O'Neill and have him on. I would like to get Evelyn Champagne King and have her on. Get a lot of those people from the 80s and bring them back and just spice it up again. No doubt. Yeah. So you are going to give them a show tomorrow here at Center Stage and Mm -hmm. tell them what they can anticipate. We're going to be funking it out. You guys are going to watch a funk party. We're going to we're going to do real R&B. A lot of times people complain about the R&B that's out here. Now, it's not really R&B. It's really people singing over trap music. Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking mm-hmm. that. You know, trends come, trends go. But we're going to do traditional R&B music. And I thought it was very important for us to take back that traditional R&B because what's interesting, a lot of young artists from our community 
they do the trap R&B, but you have other people from different communities who are doing the traditional R&B, and that's popping off, like the Sam Smiths and the Bruno Mars, the Justin Timberlakes, Mm -hmm. the Ryan Robin Thicke's, people like that. They're dabbling into the traditional genres of R&B, so we need to get back into that, too, so we can take back control of it. Indeed. You're listening to It's Bigger Than Hip Hop with our very special guest, Tariq Nasheed, is in, in the, the building. building. Check it out, y'all. We're going to give away one free ticket to that show. Yeah. So that fifth caller, give him that number, kid. Y'all give us that call at fifth caller. Get that that ticket for the show tomorrow. No doubt. doubt. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Selena Johnson, and breakfast is over. It's dinner time now, baby. Every Friday, live on iHeartRadio, it's bigger than hip-hop radio. See, we talking about music and yes. doing things going big. Tell them about that concert. Yeah, so tomorrow at um, 7 o'clock at Center Stage Theater, we're going to be lighting it up. We're going to have the whole band. We're going to be doing a lot of funk. We got dances. It's going to be real nice, man, and it's very reasonable to get in. A lot of folks are coming already. It's the talk of the town, so I want everybody to go to minkslide.com and get their tickets and come join us. Yeah, that sounds like a party. Yes. I'm trying to go. You trying to go, Q? I'm in the building. Hey. We're giving away one ticket. So, callers, call in. Definitely call in. I think fifth caller. I know you guys have been talking about music. Yeah. But I want to get into the nitty gritty. We're going to do that in a minute. Let's rock this music out. We're going to get into that in a minute. I do have a music question still. Yes. I wanted to know, do you, are you like in love with the music? Or is it a calming hobby for you? Like, what is it yeah. for you within every all of these different things that you do? Good question. Now, I, I really love the music. Okay. And the thing is, I try to do things that I love and make it a hobby, too. So okay. a lot of times when people think hobby, they think of people just halfway doing it. Right. I try to do the best of everything that I do. I'm, I'm an extremist in that sense. So when I did the album, I had in, like, we got a, like, a real big studio. We got... Um, the top musicians in LA. We got the top background singers. So we we did okay. it, did it. Yeah. So you know, it's it's more than a hobby. It's no, it's, it's something that I, yeah, I love something that I love being creative yeah. in either way. Definitely. So out of everything that you have going on, because mm-hmm. like uh, like you said, you do music. Uh, you have a production going on. You know, you you're activist of some sort mm-hmm. um so what do you have the bigger passion for what's your favorite or is it everything is kind of the same passion it's you know what it's um it's a balance okay. because doing the activism work especially doing the films mm-hmm. that's real serious work right. and you know the music thing kind of balances my mind mm-hmm. you know because when you're del- delving into heavy topics mm-hmm. 
it you got to balance your mind. That's, yeah. It'll drive you crazy. No doubt. You dig? And plus, and plus, dealing with systematic racism, that drives you crazy. Yeah, so you need absolutely. some type of levity. And, you know, that's what I do the music for. So there's, a, there's passion in both. But I really like the activism because I like waking people up. Right. You know, I, I get a passion seeing people empowered. So anything that I do that's going to empower people, I like to do it. it even with the music, I, I there's always an empowerment angle with the music. Our album debuted at number 12 on Billboard. Mm-hmm. It debuted, well, it, it rose to number one. It didn't debut at number one, but it was number one on Google Play, number eight on iTunes, best-selling album. Mm-hmm. Our album is independent. That's very rare for an R&B album to be put out independently to do like that. And I want to show people in our community that we don't need other folks Mm -hmm. telling us what to do and how to do it. We can take control of our projects, make them comparable to what's out there, and make them exceed what's out there. And we can get the same numbers as those in the dominant society. So there's always an empowerment angle that I have. No doubt. Absolutely. Now, you definitely need to holler at Karen White when you talk about doing the funk. Because she's a I big fan. I love Karen White. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my question is, what made you take that direction going in the funk? And cat, like, where that came yeah. from? Yeah, but that, that genre... A lot of people, and again, the only people who are doing it are people who are outside of our immediate community. Mm-hmm. And that genre still pops. When you go overseas, that's all you hear. That's what they want. That makes the most money. Absolutely. <laughs> you go to the UK, you go to Italy, they're bumping Evelyn Champagne King. Alexander O'Neill, speaking of him, he moved to the UK because mm-hmm. his stuff was doing so good. He sold out the Wembley Stadium over there. Okay. So they really appreciate that funk over there. And that's why I really made the, the record for the international market and it does very well over there as well but we're just trying to keep that funk alive no doubt now we're gonna kind of peel away some things then we're gonna get to the funk because you got a lot of foxes to you like for instance being a relationship expert yeah where did that you know passion come from and what are five top dating tips yeah i started doing the relating relationship expert thing Mm. and all the stuff that i do i do because there is a lack thereof Mm. i did the funk record because there weren't too many funk records being put out no doubt i did the history documentaries because there were no documentaries Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. i started doing the relationship books telling men real game because when i wrote the art of mac and that was my first book i wrote that in 1999 it came out Mm -hmm. 2000 remember remember at that time you had like men are from mars women are from venus these real corny corny books You, you dig so i said this is not this don't really work and people are scared to really chop up some real game right it was almost offensive to talk like a dude really talks. Like, hey, I want to go to the club. I want to mag. I want to spit game. I want to ch-. So I wrote a book unapologetically talking about how to have game, how to meet women in the club, what to say, what not to say. And I put the art of macking out. And the book was very controversial at first, but that kind of helped it sell because mm-hmm. the book sold like a couple of hundred thousand copies. New York Times gave it a great review. I was on all like MTV, VH1, all those shows. And that took off. So I was very passionate about that. And now you asked me what some of the five top five relationship rules. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, you got to have confidence. That's for men and women. Um, number two, you got to let your mouthpiece work faster than your physicals. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks think, okay, I can shake, I can shake my booty. I don't want to say nothing on the air, but I'm going to sex somebody. No, right. it's all about your your conversation. Right. You got to have a good mouthpiece. Number three. You better be a good listener, too. That's the part of the game that a lot of people miss. You need to soak up what people are saying to you. You need to listen to what they're saying, especially dudes. A lot of dudes, we have a very very bad habit of not listening to women. You can learn a lot 
by listening to what women say. A lot of guys are so consumed with what they look like, they're not really listening to the woman. She's giving him the game. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know? right. And that goes to number four. The women give you more game than another dude can. You can learn more game mm-hmm. from a woman mm-hmm. than you can a man. I want guys to really understand Say that. that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Say that one more time. <laughs> and number five, guys, if you wear the right clothes, you get chose with your mouth closed. Oh, you better okay. know how to dress. Okay. Dressing, <laughs> fly, coordinated. That's like 80% of the deal right there because your nonverbal language says everything about you. communication. Yes, indeed. Body language. Mm-hmm. So who taught you all of this game? You know, you're teaching everybody else the game, but yeah. who actually taught you? I learned from a lot of street dudes. Okay. When I was in L.A., I'm hanging around with the players and the street dudes and the hustlers and the max, and I'm like, let me see what that game can do if I took it out the streets and brought it mainstream. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make the game for the so-called square cats. And I wanted to make it palatable so that people in the mainstream can get it. And that's what I did. Okay. So what makes you so fearless? I, I saw an interview uh, where you said you were talking about a situation you went through. And you said, I don't want to get into that right this second. But you said that you were not scared to die. Mm-hmm. And you said that you were not scared of the police. Mm-hmm. A lot of us don't have that. We don't yeah. know what how to even be that fearless. Mm-hmm. Um what drives you to be like that, and how do you instill that into your kids? Yeah, well, you know, and I, I said that recently because um, earlier this summer, my house got raided. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. The SWAT and all those people came to my house mm-hmm. because there was some some extremists that made a false call and said that there were bombs all around my community. So it was a real orchestrated type thing, and they tried to set me up to get killed. Right. The only reason they didn't do it is because my house is in a gated community. The police couldn't get in. The news helicopters flew over. So they were filming my house live on television. And you can see it online. Mm -hmm. And um, everything was live, so they couldn't just shoot me on live TV. So and lie about it. So that's the only thing that saved me. I was on live television. Mm -hmm. So they brought me out, um, you know, went in my house with guns, and then the news came out interviewing me, and they were surprised that I wasn't I wasn't scared. I wasn't even nervous. And I, being a person who speaks out against systematic racism, you have to expect that there's going to be a backlash. Mm-hmm. And we have to not be afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Stokely Carmichael said in the 1960s, the secret to life is to live without fear. We need to really understand that concept. Say that again. You don't die. We do not die. Our spirits are just in, in vessels called bodies. But your spirit lives on, and however, how you live is how your spirit is going to remain. The Haitians understood that when they launched the Haitian Revolution. That's the thing that made them successful. They got rid of their fear of dying. When they got over that fear, they defeated every major army in the world. And the mainstream media don't like talking about that. I did a whole movie about that called 1804, mm-hmm. The Hidden History of Haiti. That's something that people should really study and get a lot of inspiration from. This is why there's a constant attack on Haiti, because they use their spiritual system, which is voodoo, which is not a negative thing. And that's another thing. They make our spiritual system seem scary and negative, and it's not a negative thing. Because when you go over there to Haiti, you see a bunch of people from the dominant society over there trying to learn voodoo and all that, too. While they got us scared. You (laughs) understand? Right, right. So... We just have to get over that fear because God didn't make us fearful people. We're the first people on this planet and we should act like it. 
Yeah. No doubt. Now, I've been doing radio for a little while now yes, and, and definitely had the opportunity to sit down with some of our most prominent leaders. Mm-hmm. And there's this one particular question I like to pose to them. But the point that you've already done it, I'm still going to pose it to you. Because the question is basically about if you had the opportunity to empower your community mm-hmm. and create a squad. You ain't got the best oh, scholars in the world. I already got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I already did that. I did That's that. What I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what was the catalyst to choosing each one of these individuals? These were all people that I loved and respected. The first person I got, when I started doing the Hidden Colors series, mm-hmm. and when I got the idea, let's backtrack. I got the idea of doing Hidden Colors when I was in Australia. Okay. okay. I was in Australia, 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my lady were there. Australia's a beautiful place, beautiful country, but I kept asking about the Aboriginal people. Right. I kept asking about them, and everybody seemed embarrassed. They were like, yeah, they're around, they're here, they're there. And I'm like, why are you acting so funny? Mm-hmm. And come to find out, they've killed most of the Aboriginal right. people off. Right. Over in Tasmania, which is right next to Australia, they killed all oh, of them. That, yeah. they, it was a complete genocide. So there's an embarrassment over there, and that really rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like the fakeness of it. I didn't like this whole smiling and this coy attitude so that really weighed heavy on me that they would do that and then try to hide it so when I got back to the states I said I'm going to do a documentary teaching people about real history what's really going on out here in the world these type of genocides that are hidden also when I went to other places I would see dark black people in Asia and all these other places that you never saw on television Mm -hmm. so I wanted to do a movie about that really I wanted to do a book about it Mm -hmm. then I said let me take it a step further and just do a movie it was going to be really just me by myself doing it like John Henry Clark did in a movie he did called A Great and Mighty Walk you remember that Mm -hmm. he did that in the 90s and that was produced by Wesley Snipes Mm -hmm. and then I said okay let me take it another step further let me bring in a lot of scholars that I love and respect First person I called was my idol, which was Dr. Frances Cress Wilson. Oh, I love her. She literally changed my life. No doubt. And she's always been special to me. When I first read the ISIS papers, yes, let's go back to 1993, a drug dealer gave me that book. Okay. A drug dealer. My friend said, hey, man, you need to read this. So I got the book. I wiped the cocaine off of it. Right. <laughs> I read the book. <laughs> <laughs> And it literally blew my mind. That just filled in all the pieces that I needed to understand systematic racism. And that took me on a journey right there. So that was the first person I called. When she signed on, bam, I'm there. Mm -hmm. So I started calling all these other scholars. Brother Kaba, Kaba Kamene. Shaharazad Ali, another one of my idols. Mm -hmm. And she's in Hidden Colors 5. I'm doing another movie. She's in it. The thing, Shaharazad Ali is vicious. I love that sister because she looks like a sweet old lady. (laughs) That's the thing that makes her so vicious. She looks so sweet, but she slices. She's so cold. I had to edit a lot of her stuff out and not put it in. Wow. Because... I know our people will if we go in too much on the dominant society, we get protective. Right. We'll start being like, OK, don't do don't do them like that now. Right, right, right. We'll, we'll get like that. Right. You understand? So I, I had to pull her back. Another person I had to pull back was Paul Mooney. I had Paul Mooney. I had half Paul's stuff was on the editing floor. I couldn't yeah, put that Paul, in. Right, right. <laughs> wrong. So the first thing I asked Paul, I said, so Paul, how do um how do you think black people should react to white supremacy? He said, man, if 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 black people were really going to do something about white supremacy, you'll kill every white person today. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Let me bring him back in. Let me, yeah, let me bring him back. Sound like a little Leonard Jeffries. Yeah. 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 Leonard Jeffries. He's in 1804. Yeah. 
But um, I, I got some of the best people in the in the films, man, and people, and they thank me for bringing them back because mm-hmm. they were underutilized. Mm-hmm. Right. right. There were so many of our great scholars, man, that we should put on the big screen right. and right. make them the celebrities. And now since they've been in these films, they tour all over the world. Yeah. Right. Everybody gets to see them and that's appreciate right. them. And that's the reward for me, seeing mm-hmm. them get the shine that they deserve. You hear that intro to this song, this this show, you hear Dr. Dick Gregory. Yeah, I heard all the greats. I did a segment where we said mic up the elders because of course we need to have that information and mm-hmm. definitely be able to revisit it because mm-hmm. it's, it's priceless, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Absolutely. So let's go back to this FBI story. Yes. I watched the interview with mm-hmm. you on another show that we will not plug because they don't pay us to plug them. Mm. But, but um, <laughs> I watched the interview and you brought up an interesting point about how, you know, they get threatened when they feel like, you know, there's too many numbers and powers and numbers, mm-hmm. especially in a positive way. Yeah. So why do you think that is, though? Because the thing is, they, they want to dominate us psychologically. That's how you dominate people. You can only dominate them physically for so long. And people in the dominant society, they understand that if we psychologically got ourselves together, we could overtake them if we really wanted to. If we really wanted to. And they know this. J. Edgar Hoover knew this. This is why he targeted black people so much. He knew the threat, especially around wartime when they would train black people. During World War One, you know, right after that, they had the Red Summer of 1919. Uh, black people were coming back from the war, mm-hmm. so black people weren't taking all of that racial abuse, so black people were fighting back. Right. Yeah. Even after Vietnam, remember, the Black Panthers came right out of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. A lot of those brothers fought in the war, so they were using military tactics right. against... Spooks sat by the door. Absolutely, no the spooks sat by the door. Um, my brother Greenlee, speaking of that movie, that um, the, the movie is based on the book, but when that movie came out, in the black exploitation era, mm-hmm. they put out all these little cheap black movies, right. and they didn't. They all of them was like, okay, black man get whitey, okay, we'll put it out. They put out the spook that sat by the door, and they thought it was just another get whitey movie, nah, and they didn't realize what was that in it. Found <laughs> when they realized what was in it, the FBI went to theaters all around the country and pulled that movie. Okay. They pulled that movie out. Okay. They buried that movie until the nineties. The brother Tim Reed. Bought the rights to that movie and brought it back out on DVD. Remember Tim Reed? Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. that brother. Yes, Bre- yes. Yeah. So them sitcom shows. Like yeah. yeah. Name, love both the songs. Absolutely, he was on that sister, sister, yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, you know, our knowledge and us understanding military science, understanding warfare, understanding um, different tactics to protect ourselves—that's always been a threat. That's why they like keeping us shucking and jiving. Um, you know, I do a lot of stuff on YouTube and I get like high numbers, high views, and mm-hmm. I get censored on YouTube all the time um, because when you're speaking truth to power, that's going to be a threat. Now, black people on YouTube, you twerking and you making goofy right. videos, yeah. they ain't got no problem yeah. with that. They'll no let doubt. you act a damn fool no all doubt. day. No doubt. But when you start talking about, okay, this is what we need to do to start building an economy, all of a sudden your videos start getting flagged. Mm-hmm. You know? So that just shows the the insecurity that they have. I know we don't have a lot of time, but I want to touch on certain things. Like, for instance, that drug was known as atrazine yes. that they use on the frogs. frogs. Let's talk on that for yeah. a quick second. Do yeah. you feel that's something that's utilized to break down the black family with this explosion in this gay population? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're talking about that in HC5, too. We're talking about chemical warfare. Um, you know, Dick Gregory used to break down the soy right. and talk about that right. a lot. Right. And if you notice, there's a major push by the LGBT community, and there's a lot of racism 
them within that LBG right. community. And that's what we need to understand. A lot of black people, you're told by them that your sexuality will trump your blackness. And that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. We have to understand there were LGBT slave owners. Mm-hmm. Right. We have to understand there are LGBT police officers brutalizing mm-hmm. black people. Right. J. Edgar Hoover was LGBT. Mm-hmm. Do you understand me? Mm-hmm. He was a gay black. He was a gay man. Exactly. He was a gay man. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of folks forget that. That's right. You dig? Yeah. So they have not been a friend to black society not at, at all. all. Not at all. They have a play up there in New York now called Slave Play, yeah. where they're they're acting out scenarios of slaves twerking. having sex and twerking with yeah. their slave master. They put that type of filth out, and I'm I'm going up to New York wow. pretty soon to really get on that because right. we're trying to get that taken on Broadway. If they were to do something about the Nazis and the the concentration camps and people twerking, they'd burn Broadway down. No doubt. So we shouldn't take what other people don't take. Exactly. You did. So I have a question. Um, Yes, ma'am. How do you deal with, and uh, what would be your advice also, with elders or people that are very stubborn in their belief and even if we were to try to show them the hidden colors or Mm. get, you know, try to get them more of a open open their mind mm-hmm. what is your advice how do you deal with the el- how do you deal with the elders you do people- you deal with the elders who don't want to get the information yeah. by not dealing with the elders okay. yeah. we got to understand not dealing with people is an action True. Right. we have to deal with the youth that's who I'm concerned with because they're going to be the ones who's going to change the direction of everything they're the energy and they're the motivation Even if for they're us. just stubborn youth young people they're stubborn too people yeah young people but but young people will experience things that will make them change direction because True. when you're young right. you try anything you right. you know yeah. one, you go one way one one week you want to be a doctor the next week you want to be a stripper the next week you want to be a veterinarian yeah. so young people change their mind they don't get so set in their ways because you don't have bills mortgages health care you don't True. have all of those yeah. things tying you down whereas an older person you're just trying to get your pension you don't want to rock no boat you just want to go to church smoke you a little something for your glaucoma yeah. and just be good <laughs> But the young people are going to be the ones to get a lot of information out there. They're going to be the, the new thought leaders, and that's who I focus on. And when we did Hidden Colors, we kept that young audience in mind. If you look at it, the Hidden Colors films, everything goes real fast. I love it. Yeah. Real fast, because I understand that we have a music video type of mentality. People mm-hmm. like to see music videos fast. You like mm-hmm. to watch seven-second videos on Instagram and Twitter. So you got to get the information it's out real way. fast. Yeah. You can't waste time. You can't drag it out. And that's why so many people gravitated towards the, the Hidden Colors series. Why well, did uh, you call it Hidden Colors? Great question. The The original name was going to be... Um, Secret Negroes. (laughs) (laughs) That was going to be the original name. (laughs) Then I said, oh, that might not work. (laughs) Marketing. Yeah, Yeah, marketing and marketing. That might not work. So I had to come up with something else. Um, I I got the word hidden and I'm like, okay, we're talking about, um, you know, black people and different other races. So then the colors thing popped off. So, you know, that just really stuck. And what's funny, you know, our movies outsell a lot of mainstream documentaries yeah. and they're afraid to acknowledge how successful the Hidden Color series oh, they is. Can't stand it. They can't stand it. But what they'll do, they'll bite off of it though. Oh, yeah. like, like that movie Hidden <laughs> Figures. Is, come on now. Where do you think they got that name <laughs> from? They took, yeah, they took I, that. I said that as soon as I saw it. Yeah. I was like, they stole your joint, man. Nike 
2012, they put out some shirts called Hidden Images wow. with wow. LeBron James and the co- the shirt. If you can, you can Google it right now. The shirt looked like the cover of Hidden Colors too. Wow. So mm-hmm. they the these and they had to because we're about to sue them, so they snatched them out. Okay. So we we got our lawyers on them. So they watch what we do. We got to understand this as people, black folks. Everything we do is watched and monitored Mm -hmm. by other people so they can learn how to appropriate it. So this is why we have to learn how to monetize what we have and and own it Mm -hmm. and and utilize it to to empower us. No doubt. Mm -hmm. Now, you talk about not being put in a box because so Mm -hmm. many people, they are always looking and seeing you as the person who brought us the empowering film, Hidden Colors. Mm -hmm. But then when they see certain things online, say, for instance, you go on at your boy Mark Lamont, Mm -hmm. you're doing your thing with the cooning and all that. And they tie and then also with the music and the books titles, they try to put you in this pimp-like sort of kind of mm-hmm. element. Talk mm-hmm. about that because at first you had these books and there was none of that backlash. Yeah. And it's after Hidden Colors. Talk about that and how that came about. Yeah, you know what's funny? Um, you know, when I did my books, I was on all the television shows. They were fine with it. I, right. I was even on Fox promoting my books. Right. And then only after I started talking against racism, then Fox News started attacking me mm-hmm. nonstop. So, you know, that that comes with the territory. And and I I try not to get put in a box because I don't want us to think black people who are activists should be just one way. All of us should be activists. All of us should be conscious. All of us should be trying to empower each other because people in the dominant white community, all of them are on the white empowerment tip. They want to be empowered. Mm All Asians want to be empowered. Yeah. When it comes to black folks, they think the the empowerment people are the ones with the dashiki and the braids. Right. The, that's the empowerment people. So we're going to be over here acting a fool. Act a fool, but be empowered. Twerk and be empowered. Mm-hmm. Other people do. See, we got this thing where we, we want to be ratchet and, and don't have a code with each other. Yeah. Anything you do, we can have a code and we can be empowered. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and as far as Mark Lamont Hill and people like that. <laughs> You know, I go in because Mark kind of went at me a couple of times. That's why I always retaliate on cats like that. And and the thing with Mark Lamont Hill, the issue I had with him is when Dr. Welsing died, he said some disparaging things about her. And I don't play those type of games at all. So, you know, he's he's a. Yeah, yeah. Look that up. He yeah, he he made a couple of little slick comments and you know, Dr. Wilson was almost like a mother to me. Yeah, so you're gonna get sliced. When I interviewed her, let me tell you a funny story. She looks exactly like my grandmother. Mm. And when I'm interviewing her, I kinda lost myself and then I had to catch because she kept that stern face. She was not playing. I was like, Oh yeah, you know he talked to I just snapped up out of that. (laughs) (laughs) Over here reminiscing over grandma. Exactly. (laughs) You you know, when she died, you know, they were trying to get a little collection for her. Really? she died they were like i got a call somebody's like yeah we are trying to get different businesses to get a collection for i said man if y'all don't stop i paid for that whole funeral you look at the you look at the 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 program you see my name on there you know we're not gonna do that with her at all that's not Not gonna happen she's empowered not one not her at all she's done too much for us to us be passing around a plate we we should be tripping over ourselves to take care of that right 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 you listening to It's Bigger Than Hip Hop. You know we got in the building Tariq Nasheed. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Give you that moment of hip hop and we'll be right back. It's Bigger Than Hip Hop Radio presents A Moment in Hip Hop History with Mocha Brown. Lisa Nicole Lopez was born on May 27, 1971 in Philadelphia. 
Lopez was a member of the hip hop group TLC and was known for her brash and unapologetic attitude. TLC was all about female empowerment and Lopez embodied this totally. Spatially expand my horizons Then it leaves you in a class with scrubs Never rising I don't find it surprising If you don't have the G's To please me and bounce from here To the coast of overseas So let me give you something to think about Inundate your mind with intentions to turn you out Can't forget to focus on the picture in front of me Do it clear as DVD on digital TV screen Satisfy my appetite The group formed in 91 With Lopez joining fellow members Tion T-Boz Watkins And Rosanda Chili Thomas in 94, Crazy Sexy Cool sold 11 million copies and featured three number one hits, Creep, Red Light Special, and Waterfall. The album also earned them two Grammy Awards. Tonight on It's Bigger Than Hip Hop Radio, we salute Left Eye, a pioneer in hip hop. R.I.P. Left Eye. This is Mocha Brown with your moment in hip hop history. Oh, yes, I'm talking to you. Oh, yes, I'm talking to you. Come on. I seen a rainbow yesterday, but too many storms have come and finally been a trace of not one God given reason. Because my life is in shades of gray, I pray all ten fade away, sell the praise of all the sentence. And like his promise is true, only my faith can undo The many chances I blitz with every mind to end it Clear blue and unconditional skies have dried the tears from my eyes and we back. It's bigger than hip hop in the building. New York Times best-selling author, acclaimed documentary filmmaker Tariq Nasid. We talking about that show you going to throw down tomorrow. Tell them a little bit about that. Tariq. Yeah, man, we're going to be rocking it out, man. Me and my group, Mink Slide, along with the APX. Um, get your tickets at minkslide.com. The show starts tomorrow night, Center Stage Theater at 7 p.m. We're going to do traditional funk. It's going to be a funk party. I'm going to have my Universal Circus glittery jacket on, <laughs> my gators, you dig? Oh, I'm going to be tuned up. I might put a little Beijing in my edges to make them glisten, you dig? It's going to be popping. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> now, Hidden Colors, let me tell you, as yes. a mentor working with a group down in Macon, we used to always do a great deal of workshops sharing that information. Mm. I don't know how often you get to hear people tell you what you have done for them by providing mm. that, but you have definitely changed a lot of lives. Respect. Yeah, you have All open day. minds, and you've mm. definitely given people an idea of what they need to be searching for. Yes, because a lot is. of times, we just in the dark poking around. Mm -hmm. So salute and thank you for that Respect. question. Tell us what we can anticipate from five. Man, Hidden Colors Five, we're going to focus a lot on different forms of warfare. Um, we're going to talk about the history of African warfare, where we went wrong, where we went right, mm -hmm. where we went left. One of the things we're talking about is how African people, we never had the kind of mentality where we would want to go dominate another person's country or land because we lived in an abundance. Right. We lived in an environment where everything was at our fingertips. We lived in a nurturing environment. We had no desire to take resources from other people because we lived on a continent that had all the resources. So we interacted with people differently, especially people coming in from Europe who were resource-deprived. Mm -hmm. They lived in an environment where they had to hoard things in order to survive. They had to kill in order to survive. So we still, to this day, don't understand that cold mentality. Mm -hmm. So we break that down. Okay. We talk about 
medical warfare, which is something that they're practicing on, especially with vaccines. The CDC is down here in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stories about the CDC Mm -hmm. that we need to break down that's going on now. Um, I know for a fact that their CDC worker, somebody called my show not too long ago. There was this African sister who got adopted by a CDC doctor, Mm. and they brought her over here, and they were doing all types of stuff to her. She had to get away from them. We're going to break that down in the film. It's a lot of stuff. The CDC was in the mix of that child Atlanta, that Atlanta child murder thing. Okay. Remember back, back in the, the 80s? 80s? Yeah. No doubt. They were in the mix of that. When you start researching that, mm-hmm. they were investigating. So we got to see what they were, that's, what their their part in that right. was. Yeah, yeah. So there's always been weird stuff going on with that. Um, we're breaking down food warfare. Mm-hmm. They weaponize the foods against yes. us. Yes. We got to understand what we eating. They got us eating crazy yeah, stuff out here. Distribution, yes. man. Subject to give you some poison. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Say it's all right. Absolutely. So we're breaking all that stuff down. Okay. So it's, it's going to be a heavy one. When should they anticipate it um, coming out? Um, probably June 2019. Okay. Yeah. Summertime. So, yeah, absolutely. Up. And this one, we got um, we got a whole array of people. We got Brother Cabo. We got James Small. We got um, Ice-T. He's mm. talking about a lot of stuff. We got Chuck D from Public Enemy. Yeah. He's in it. Um, we got Freeway Rick Ross, a friend okay. of mine. He's yes. talking about it. We're bringing the we, original, the real, real, yeah, yeah Rick Ross. Yeah, yeah. yeah. emphasize that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. I mean? For you rappers out there, yes, indeed. So we're talking about um, how crack got started, where it got started, how it was created in a lab at UCLA. That's where crack was created. We're breaking that down okay. heavy. Okay. You know? Always very informative. Yes, indeed. Now, with all these projects that you have already done and the one that's about to come out in mm-hmm. 2019, mm-hmm. is there anybody that you haven't worked with already that you would like to work with? There was somebody I wanted to work with for the Hidden Colors 1, mm-hmm. but the brother is kind of infirm now, so he can't do it with Bobby Hemet. Okay. I always wanted to work with Bobby Hemet, but Bobby, the brother, had his stroke, unfortunately. Mm, yeah. And that's another thing. I try. I want to catch folks before you know they transition because sure. we got so many legends out here. Um, our brother Steve Coakley, okay, out of um, Chicago. I wanted him. There's so many people that I would like to get. Um, who else would I like to get? Because I've I've gotten so many people that I. Where I'm like you've worked with oh, a yeah. lot of people. I, you know who I, I, <laughs> I always want to get, but I we keep missing each other. Ashra Quazy. Mm, okay. Yeah, that brother's very thorough, okay. and we keep missing each other. I wanted to get Jewel Pukram. I love Jewel Pukram. We kept missing each other. So, you know, I, I pretty much got a lot of people that I wanted in it, though. No doubt. Now, um, I wanted to know something. You said earlier you leave the elders if they don't want to listen, but you talk to the kids. Yeah. So, talk to me about how, like, even though a lot of people know about it, a lot of people still don't know about Hidden Colors mm-hmm. and they're still lost. And how do we get our kids? Like, I have a, my son is about to turn 21. Yeah. So, I'm trying to see how do I even get him to care? How do I get, how do we get the young people to want to know this stuff? Yeah. W- w- what we try to do, we show, how we marketed, we would show little clips on Facebook, little clips on YouTube, and you know, stuff will circulate and they'll go viral. Then people will be like, okay, we want to see the whole thing. Yeah. So that's one way to do it. Put little one minute, because again, young people now are so distracted by so much stuff, yeah. you better get them quick. So you use that one minute clip to get them, let that go viral, then they're going to be asking to see the rest. And that's how you get them. Yeah. Because yeah. my son is that guy that you talked about that he got the white friends. Oh, he Lord. Has, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, my son, Lord. you know, he grew up bougie. Mm-hmm. You know, he, mm-hmm. he grew up in Dunwoody when, when we were in Atlanta. Yeah. Brooklyn, you know, nice parts of Queens. 
He's not, you know, so he feels like he's got his white friends. He probably feels like that doesn't apply to him. He has a basketball scholarship. Like, I need to, you know, we really need to get to these guys, like, and let them know, like, what's up? Yeah, because the white friends will turn on you. Big okay. time. <laughs> That's what brothers don't know. They'll turn on you real quick. Bill Cosby thought he had the same thing going. He had a bunch of white friends, too. White okay. side chicks and the whole thing, and they all turned on him. See? OJ had a bunch of white friends, too. He wasn't black. He OJ. Say that. He flipped on him. Black folks are going to have to learn. They will flip on you. You have no friends. John Henry Clark told us we have no friends. Okay. We all we got. Yeah. Nice segue. Conscious community. And all it is hotep and being woke to being the language of today. Mm-hmm. And it's somewhat in a lot of people's lives, that's the only way we see us as black men. And, and if you're not hotepping and you're not woke, mm-hmm. they're not respected. What's that all about? Because that's the the box that they try to like to put they put us in. We're we're taught in, in the black community that black people from certain sectors of society, they gotta act a certain way. Right. That's the preacher over there, so he acts a certain way. That's the conscious guy, so he has to act a certain way. That's the gangster, so he has acts, he has to act a certain way. We have to understand all of us are needed. Indeed. We all gotta be on the same code. Okay. Because when you go to somebody in the dominant white society, the crackhead, the lawyer, the doctor, the nurse, the cop, all of them on main page at the end of the day. The of the they day. all have the same code and we need to do the same thing. Mm. When it comes mm. to your documentaries, what is the outcome at the end of the day? Like, what do you want to be able to say your legacy is when it comes to that? Um, I want my legacy to show, not just say, but to show that, you know, I put in the work to educate people with the Hidden Color series. That's going to last for 100 years. Right. They teach that in universities all around the world. Right. I mean, they show it everywhere. And, you know, that's a that's a hell of a legacy. Yeah. And I've done it multiple times. Hidden Colors has been number one every single time it comes out. So this is why I like to venture into new things. I don't like to just stay in one groove. Mm-hmm. When I master something, I look for another thing to master. Right. And we got to start doing that because a lot of us, we get complacent. We'll master something and we'll stay there. Yeah. Black folks, we got a real bad habit of doing that. That's why yeah. we, we want to be the old Negro at the job. It's like <laughs> the dude 80 years old, he got a gold watch and a plaque <laughs> on the wall. You did, but you never got a promotion. So right. you got to promote yourself. So that's what I like to do. I like to give myself different promotions and try out different things that I have not done before so I can keep my game crisp. Indeed. Well, you said you're, you want to find something new to master. You mm-hmm. know, you're doing music, you're an author, now you have um, these documentary series. So what's the next thing that you're trying to master? Um, what I'm going to probably do, um, I'm going to start doing more scripted films. Okay. That's okay. one thing I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to try different books. I'm working on a book now that's not a, a relationship book. It's a book talking about dismantling racism. I'm writing a book called Race Baiter because um, the media has labeled me a race baiter so much. If you Google right now the word race baiter, my photo comes up. <laughs> wow. Literally. Mm-hmm. Literally. My picture comes up. So, uh, I'm I, yeah, so I'm going to own that. I'm owning that. So I'll be that race baiter. Anybody who calls out racism, they call them a race baiter, so I'll be that. So th- those are some of the endeavors that I have. And also what I want to do, I want to get some young folks and kind of mentor them yes, sir. so they can be the next um, yes, thought leaders out here. That's right. And that's one of my goals, too, to get some, to find some young folks who are ready to get that information in that game so they can rise up. No doubt. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, that's needed in in the community. Like I said, as a single mom, it's tough. Mm-hmm. As a single mom, I, don't, I'm, I know I'm not in the mic. I'm little. Y'all got the mic. Come on a little bit. All right. Mm-hmm. As a single mom, it's definitely tough. And um, I feel you. 
you know i'm so glad that you're here i'm glad that you're doing the series and yes. um for you to even do number five is crazy you know i slept with them mm -hmm. like because i mm -hmm. feel like it's a need we've been beating the head with so much bs yes. that i gotta beat myself in the head with the truth you Absolutely. know so i you know i slept with one and two and three and four i would yes. like wake up to them go put them back on repeat them rewind yes. rewind so i love the way that you put it down um where did you get the idea to make it move like that? I understand you said that it was, you know, you know how you have to reach the youth yeah. with the quickness. Yeah. But even just the way that you broke it down for us common folks. Yeah. You know, yeah, my, my parents went to college, but I'm not trying to get into a whole bunch of, you know, highfalutin talk. Yeah. You broke it down to where anybody, your mm -hmm. kid... You, the ghetto people, the the uh, corporate people, the bougie people, if you wherever you at, you can get it. And I got that idea from writing books. Okay, you know, back in I think 1998 or something like that, I I tried to read a book by Cornell West, and I love Cornell West. That's pictures of me with Cornell West. I love Cornell West, but he wrote this book, and the words he was using was so big. Yeah. It was like five syllable words. I yeah, said, bruh, what is this? I mean, it was some long, crazy where I kept having to stop and then get a dictionary yeah. to see what the word meant. I'm like, makes it tough. I'm like, Cornell, you showing out right now, Cornell. You're just trying to flex, brother. So I wanted to do books where I, I didn't want the reader to feel like I'm trying to intellectually flex on them. Okay. So I wanted to make books very conversational. I wanted okay. people to feel like I'm sitting in a room talking to them, breaking it down, making it simple. That's what you did. So I did the same thing with the movies. When you watch the movies, we're not trying to talk over your head. It's just like us sitting in a barbershop mm -hmm. and we're breaking down the information in a very simplistic manner and we're showing you the images while we're talking. It was dope. Yes, no indeed. Doubt. I mean, the way you said, yeah, you know, we, we good. We get with you now. Can we no get with you now? Yeah. We did everything you said. I know we got to go. Again, <laughs> man, we want to thank you. We want to salute you. Yes, it's indeed. been Wonderful. an honor and a pleasure. Yes, indeed. Coming on, it's bigger than hip hop. Sharing yes. your yes. thoughts, yo, man. We love you, man. Man, and I love y'all. Success, man. No yeah, question. Thank you so much. Tell them about that show so yes. they can get that feel, that funk. Yes, man. yes. Mink Slide tomorrow night here in Atlanta, um, featuring the APX. Go to minkslide.com right now. Get your tickets to join us. Center Stage Theater. We're going to be funking it out. I'm going to have on my shiny coat, my uh -oh. mac and shoes, uh -oh. hat with the feather in it, the Egyptian musk cologne on. It's, it's going to be funk party. It's, it's gonna, a funk party. <laughs> it's going to be popping. What you drinking? What you drinking? Man, some cold duck. We got some cold <laughs> duck. You dig? No doubt. <laughs> Not so cold duck. Again, man, we thank you. We I appreciate you, you brother. You. All right. Till next time. And y'all heard it, 2019 summertime. Look out for that. Ow. Number five, Hidden Colors. Y'all better come on and check them out tomorrow here in Atlanta as well. He's going to be doing that mink slide. Yes, come indeed. through, come through. Yes, Until indeed. next time, family, peace and love. Peace. And Yo. love. peace.
We have to stand up. We have to speak up. We have to work together. Just Siri X. And then because we have Facebook and Twitter and we're able to share this information, the information is getting out there more. Dr. Julia Hare. Because we live in a racist society and you can get arrested, black boys, for walking while black, thinking while black, driving while black, and anything you're doing while black. Dick Gregory. I can go and tell you why this program you have is so beautiful. That one, truth don't never have to be validated by ignorance. But ignorance will never validate truth. This is It's Bigger Than Hip Hop Radio. Tune in every Friday from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern on WWEAM 1100 on iHeartRadio. 1100Atlanta.com. And so again, I said, you know, what you're doing is very important. And a lot of times when you do shows like this, you must have people listen, get a tape recorder, or make the tape available. Hit us up on the hotline at 404-603-8770. Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Staten, and Manhattan. You are listening to BashaniRadio.com. New York City, always talking about everything. everything. everything.